Welcome back to your therapy tools. Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is how to best support your family member who is struggling with mental health issues. Today's focus is is mainly on um, depression, maybe anxiety. Um, A lot of times family members are frustrated and kind of at a loss and they don't know how to best support their family member or their spouse when it comes to trying to be helpful and support them through depression or anxiety or other mental illnesses. So it's it's important to understand how to best support your family. And while some families um, absolutely refuse to try on any of the tools and try to be supportive and they try to put all of the blame and responsibility on the person with the mental illness, which is wrong. Um, You cannot simply throw a bottle of pills at your family member and expect them to miraculously feel better. It takes the whole family participating in being supportive And if you don't know how to do that, today's podcast will be helpful for you, hopefully. It's much like when a a parent brings the problem child into therapy, right? They bring the problem child in and they say, yeah, this kid has issues. He's disrespectful. He sleeps a lot, whatever. And fix him. Fix this kid. And the therapist is usually looking at that parent and thinking you're an idiot (laughs) um and and most good therapists will talk to the parents and say okay so this is not just your child's issue this is a whole family issue and we need the whole family to participate in order to change your family dance and make improvements so consistency between therapeutic sessions and the environment at home are key to supporting our family members, whether that's your problem child, your problem mother, your problem father, your problem brother, whether you're a child or an adult, the rule still stands. It's not just your issue. It's a family issue. That being said, um, I've retrieved some information from the NAMI website to share with you today. So relating to someone that you love who has mental illness can be really difficult and frustrating and exhausting, but there are a lot of strategies that you can use to improve your communication with them. Uh, There may be a lot that you don't know about how your relative sees things when they're symptomatic. These tips can help you build a stronger foundation for your relationship. So to get started on a better path in your relationship with your family member, first it's important to acknowledge that you cannot change them. You can only change yourself. And the changes you make can improve your life, your lives together. It's critical to know as much as you can about their illness so that you understand what they might be going through. A little empathy goes a long way. Don't buy into the stigma Be clear with yourself about who the person you care about really is. Even if we're very close to someone with mental illness and advocate for their rights, 
we may also have our own preconceptions and false beliefs about mental illness. We have to learn to separate the illness from the person. Understand confusing behavior. Because many of the symptoms of mental illness express themselves through social behavior, it's natural to feel hurt by the symptoms. We tend to assume behavior is conscious and deliberate. For example, if you invite your brother to dinner with your friends and you feel embarrassed by his obsessive checking of whether or not he locked his car, you're tempted to see him as someone who is choosing to embarrass you. This may be how some friends and strangers see him. That's the effect of stigma. When people around you see your relative this way, it can be hard to remember the truth that they have an illness and that the behavior is part of the symptom that does not excuse cruel or violent behavior, but it's an important reality to keep in mind. It's also not acceptable to tell your relative, oh, that's just your mental illness when they come to you and say, I'm upset about something. They still have the right to be heard and respected and have their needs met. And if they're unhappy about something, you can't just minimize it and say, that's just your mental illness. They're still people with feelings. See opportunities for improvement. You and your relative can still make conscious choices that improve your situation. You may agree to cooperate on communicating better. You may each work on keeping up friendships and other supportive relationships. You may each see a psychologist for talk therapy. The fact that you can control some things some of the time does not negate the fact that the illness is still real. It's not a character flaw and it's not anyone's fault. Your relative's capacity to make positive choices will depend on how severe those symptoms are at any given time. Getting support from other people. You know that your loved one is more than just their illness. You may value their sense of humor. Um, their familiarity with your past. Their ability to listen and even sometimes their advice. And when someone has mental illness, they might feel it threatens their identity and self-respect. As with any other illness, your loved one will have periods where she's learning to cope with her illness challenges. During these times, she may be self-absorbed and unable to give her usual attention and energy to others. Both you and your relative will be better able to cope if you expand your own support network beyond her. Strengthening, strengthening your connections with friends and family. This takes some pressure off of your relative to help you as she did before when she was ill. Before she was ill. She can instead put that energy toward moving toward living well. And at the same time, you may resent her less and feel strengthened by getting the social support that you need. Expect decent behavior. Making adjustments to accommodate for your relative's illness doesn't erase the need for basic structures and expectations. Tell your relative the standards you need him to meet so that you can live well together. 
Make sure your loved one knows that you see him as a whole person and that you expect him to follow those standards. Two of the most important standards to meet are that your home is a safe space and that you have a plan for what to do when safety of your loved one or the family is threatened. Prepare yourself and your family to handle a crisis. Tell your relative about the standards you expect for daily life. For example, you will not continue an interaction with your father if he starts screaming at you. Use the communication tips below to have more productive conversations with your relative. Learn to communicate effectively, so developing good communication skills will improve all of your relationships across the board, but they're especially important when mental illness is in the mix. Effective communication is largely about building good habits. You can make choices that improve your chances of getting the results you want. Maybe you want to be able to ask your granddaughter to shower without getting into an argument or tell your husband his smoking worries you without him giving you the cold shoulder. A very good way to approach this is to use statements that give your perspective rather than imposing perceived behavior. For example, try saying, I'm concerned because you don't seem interested in what I'm saying, instead of saying, you're not listening. Instead of saying, you're not listening. I'm concerned because you don't seem interested in what I'm saying. Is much kinder. Making thoughtful changes on how you communicate can move you and your loved ones closer to your goals. See it from their perspective. Put yourself in their shoes. Have a little empathy for the human in front of you. Learn as much as you can about your relative's illness and what they experience. Because of their symptoms, they may perceive things differently than you think. They may be feeling strong emotions like fear. They may have a low self-esteem or they may be experiencing a delusion. All of this may be going on even if they don't express it. Put yourself in their shoes. Try to think about how they're feeling rather than only what they're saying. Adjust your communication style with their possible experience in mind and respect them. It makes it more likely that they'll really hear and understand you. If your friend or relative has done something that bothers you, give them the benefit of the doubt by first assuming the problem is not that they're motivated, that they're not motivated to change, but that they're not yet able to change. It can be tempting to assume that the person is deliberately being difficult Maybe your loved one doesn't particularly like cleaning up, but she means well. She gets distracted in the moment and forgets to clean, even though she knows she's supposed to. Ask her if something is making it harder for her to clean. If she simply forgets, would a sign on the kitchen door or the fridge maybe be helpful? What does she think the sign should say? Ask her for ideas. Ask her how you can best support her so that you're cooperating on something. You'll notice in this example, you're still able to express the core of how you feel. You're upset by somebody's actions, but you want them to behave differently because you'll feel better. This method of communication is less, less likely to pile on resentment, both theirs and yours, and more likely to get you both what you want. Focus on the larger goals. When you're upset, 
try to remind yourself what your true long-term goal is. It might be to live peacefully with your family member or to encourage your family member to eat more healthy. Your true goal is probably not to win an argument or to remind them of how much you put up with for their sake. But when they're upset, we can get defensive. Start conversations soon after something happens that upsets you. But after you've had a few minutes to cool down and talk, you'll be more likely to agree on recent facts and you won't let dissatisfactions build and worsen into resentment. Pursuing your larger goals doesn't mean burying your feelings. It means communicating your most important feelings in a, in a very effective way. Use direct, simple, and clear language. To have a more productive conversation, start off on the right foot. Give the person's attention. Get the person's attention first by saying, hey, can I talk to you? And cover one topic at a time. Share small amounts of information at once. I want to talk to you about tonight's dinner. Say exactly what you mean. It's been a long time since we've cooked together and I miss that. Would you help me make dinner tonight? Rather than hinting at it, such as, you never do anything with me anymore. Be direct. Describe what you want and why. State the facts of the situation because usually there's an area in which you can agree. These forms are due back to your school tomorrow. You haven't filled them out yet. Say exactly what action you're requesting the other person to take and how you would feel if they do it. Please read and sign them before we have lunch. I'd feel relieved knowing that they're done and we can enjoy the rest of the afternoon knowing that you're ready for school. Describing a positive outcome can be very motivating. For example, you could say that you'd appreciate their help taking out the trash or if they joined you for a walk, you'd be happy spending time together with them. Ask the person for suggestions on how to improve the situation. If they help create the idea, they're more likely to give it a try. So supporting recovery. Let's take a quick break and we'll go into that. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, and we're back. Supporting recovery. When someone has a mental health condition, support from family can make a huge difference. However, it may be hard for us as family members to know what approach is best. It's particularly difficult to balance showing support with caring for our own health and encouraging others to be responsible for their actions. Remember, you are in the process of learning. Helping a family member is difficult, even if you do everything right. There's no book, therapist, or website that can tell you how to prepare for situations that could arise. It may help to think of this experience as a learning process. Every person with mental health conditions experience it differently. 
One person may fear losing a job, while another may be more worried about how relationships could change. If you ask questions and truly listen to the answers, you can learn a lot about your family members' unique concerns. You can also acquire better skills for offering support. And as you learn what works well in your family and what doesn't, you get better and better. So if you come from a family that's uncomfortable talking about mental illness or even emotions, remember that you have the ability to improve that communication. Similarly, even if you feel like you don't know how to offer encouragement right now, you can, in, you can improve on that and develop it through practice. And remember, support is not control. We can support and encourage our family members. We cannot, however, make their treatment decisions for them. We have to remember... Sorry, my cat was threatening to knock over my computer. I had to pause there. Uh, (laughs) I apologize. Uh, We have to remember that we can offer suggestions and input, but we have to be ready to accept and support whatever decision they make. So if you feel like um, you don't have the patience or energy to work on communication and put yourself in their shoes and try to be the change you want to see and you would rather throw pills at your family member, Um, If they don't want to take those pills, you can't force it. And it would be disgusting morally if you turned your back on them and said, well, if you're not going to get help, I'm not helping you. I want you to take those pills. Um, They won't choose. They don't always want to choose treatment options that you would prefer. Um, But by acknowledging their right to decide You create a respectful healing environment within the family. You improve the immediate quality of life by treating your relative with dignity. And you're also encouraging them to commit to their chosen course of action. The reality is that we can only control our own actions, right? We have to learn to give people around us responsibility for decisions that only they can make. And it's ultimately up to them to decide on their goals and their strategies. You can encourage your family members, but you have got to let go of that feeling that you have to solve their problem for them. Remember, an illness is influencing your family member's behavior, whether it's anxiety, an anxiety disorder, uh, depression, schizophrenia, whatever it is that could be influencing their behavior. Even when we know someone has a mental health condition, it can be hard to recognize um, their efforts to be well. Sometimes we wonder if a family member is trying to be difficult or purposely allowing themselves to just disintegrate. We find ourselves looking for someone to blame. Should we blame the family member? Should we... Should we blame the illness itself? And in general, we try to give family the benefit of the doubt. Remember, no one chooses to experience depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, 
Nobody chooses to be miserable. It's not always a choice. So what can you do to be supportive? One of the most important ways to support a family member is to maintain your own mental health. The healthier you are, the more energy you have for problem solving and offering encouragement. Then you can offer practical support such as learning as much as possible about their diagnosis. Knowledge gives you practical insight and understanding. So learn about available treatments, what therapies and medications can help. Uh, Learn if people with this particular condition typically spend time in a residential treatment facility. What options are available for supportive housing, employment, etc.? Show interest in your family member's treatment plan. Doctors and other medical providers cannot talk to family members without the patient's permission. So ask your family member to arrange this. They will need to sign a release of information and um, the therapist has to go over with the client what she is and is not allowed to discuss with that family member. So some some people may say, I don't want anybody to know my diagnosis or I don't want them to know directly what we talk about, but you can tell them what my diagnosis is and what my symptoms are. So it's important to protect that confidentiality with with uh, the therapist so the family member maintains the control and the rights in their own therapeutic treatment. Encourage your family member to follow the treatment plan. This might mean offering transportation to therapy sessions or reminders to take any medications they may be prescribed because daily prodding about medication can easily insult or anger an adult. Handle this very carefully. Talk to your family member about his or her preferences and try to set up a simple system to reassure you that treatment is continuing as planned. Strive for an atmosphere of cooperation within the family. Cooperation means not just offering support. It also means communicating with everybody in the family and distributing responsibility equally. Don't try to spare certain family members from stress by leaving the caretaking up to one individual. Assign everyone in the household roles to play according to their abilities. Include your family member with the illness as well making his or her responsibilities to the family clear. Listen carefully. Simply listening is one of the best ways to show support. If your family member says hurtful things, it helps to listen for the emotion behind the words rather than focusing on the words themselves. Try to recognize and acknowledge the pain the anxiety, the insecurity, or the confusion rather than getting into unnecessary arguments. Try validating those emotions when you observe them. Resume normal activities and routines. Don't let life revolve around your family member's mental health condition. Return to a regular routine within the family. Spend time together on activities unconnected to illness, such as watching movies, eating out, visiting a favorite park, taking a little vacation. Practice living life with a mental health condition rather than struggling against mental illness. Remember not to push too hard. 
And at the same time, remember that it takes time to heal from an acute episode. Allow your family member to rest. Offer her opportunities to ease back into routine activities rather than requiring participation. A gentle approach encourages recuperation. And find support. Outside support and encouragement is critical for everyone in the family, not only the person with mental health issues. Whatever your role is in the family, stress is easier to handle when you regularly talk to people who understand your experience. There are peer-led support groups that are very helpful. Express your support out loud. Spoken encouragement can reduce stress. You don't need to say anything fancy. Just practice a few simple, gentle statements such as, I'm sorry you feel bad. I want to help. Or, it isn't your fault. It's an illness that can happen to anyone. Hang in there because you'll feel better down the road. I'm here for you. Keep yourself and your family members safe. If there's any risk of violence, make a safety make safety a priority. Uh, regarding physical or verbal abuse, set limits that you can keep. For example, state that you will leave and call the police if your family member becomes physically violent. Discuss your plans for these situations ahead of time. That can make them a lot more manageable. Prepare a crisis plan that includes important phone numbers, such as the local crisis intervention team, therapist, um, include your family member in the planning of this document and make everyone in the family aware of what they should do in case of an emergency. And lastly, but not least, don't give up. A person with a mental health condition benefits enormously from having social support. Remind your family member that you're there to help and you're never giving up. When setbacks occur with one treatment strategy, look for alternative strategies. Try something new and encourage your family member to never give up and let them know that a good life really is possible. So I hope this was helpful if you are working to support a family member. And if you are suffering with anxiety or depression or any other mental health issue and you're not getting the support that you need, look into social support groups for yourself. Go to the NAMI website, N-A-M-I. Also, turn to your therapist as a support person. Turn to your friends. If your family is not going to engage in supporting you, you must find support elsewhere through friends, therapists, groups. Um, Don't give up. Don't give up. Sometimes our friends are God's way of apologizing for our family. So some of us don't have a supportive family, and that sucks, but that's okay too. You You can handle this. You got this. So make it a make it a beautiful day. Don't give up and hang on to hope because things do get better eventually. Thanks for tuning in until next time.